Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. In this episode, I'm excited to bring you Crystal Meisenheimer of Progressive Practice Sales. She's been on the show before, but today we discuss a unique topic that was brought up in our closed Facebook group, and that really is selecting a location for practice. Whether you're starting from scratch, you're buying, uh, you're selling and relocating, we talk about all those things and many more uh, trends in the industry as it pertains to uh, buying, selling, and starting lo- you know, practices in different locations. There's some interesting things that have definitely changed or um, you know, maybe sped up a little bit since the pandemic, but we really focus on location selection. Everything from, it might be you know, a particular area within a particular town, but it might be a different state or something like that, right? So there's a lot of different variables when picking a location and we dive into that. And, and Crystal's been one of my main resources for this type of information, even to the point where um, she is going to be our guest presenter in our final weekend of our mastermind in Orlando, November. And the topic will be built to sell, which is really building your practice to be able to sell it sometime. You know, it could be 20 years from now, but the benefit of building your practice to sell is that it will sell for more. And while you own it and aren't selling it, it'll be much more profitable, which is a benefit also. And so we're going to have her guest present, which we're excited about. And as I actually record this introduction, we just got back from weekend two of the 2023 Mastermind, which was in Tampa, Florida. And we had the Scheduling Institute come and uh, guest present for us. And it just was just a transformational weekend. We talked a ton about the front desk, uh, a lot about team trainings and culture building. And then we just had such a lot of good sharing with the doctors, uh, very excited about this group. And um, coming up soon in the next month or so, I'm going to be um, opening up. There's not going to be a lot of seats, that's for sure, because I think the vast majority of our uh, 2023 members are going to come back for 2024. And I've already got three uh, that are slated to be added to it. And we're not going to go above 25 members in our mastermind because then it goes from mastermind to conference. And we don't want that because the essence of our mastermind is is a lot of learning, a lot of sharing, and, and also a lot of uh, relationship building between members and getting, you know, getting away from your office four times a year and being able to connect with your colleagues and forge relationships and confide in your struggles and your opportunities and having that to bounce off of and, and the growth from it's been pretty substantial. I mean, we had a hundred percent return from 2022 to 2023. Uh, I, I kind of shared this past weekend with our members, uh, the plans for 2024 and, and just the conversations of members saying things like, Oh, I can't wait to be in Jupiter, Florida in January. You can tell a, a vast majority of them coming back. Um, so I'm not sure how many seats we will have available. I'll let, folks know through the podcast, email, and Facebook group if there is. Uh, but on top of that, I am strongly considering a, a mountain uh, slash Pacific time zone cohort as well. We are taking the East Central cohort out of Florida uh, next year in 2024. We will be in Florida for one of them in January since the weather's great. Uh, and that'll be in Jupiter, Florida with, with Brett Winchester as our lead on that. 
but then we're going to be in uh, Nashville, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. But I am strongly considering, and I'm getting some good um, inquiries from our West Coast and Mountain Time Zone cohorts, and I'm kind of thinking of the San Diego's and Scottsdale's and Denver's and and maybe Jackson Hole for there. I'm not not totally sold on doing it, but I'm definitely doing the planning. I would need at least ten members for that to to make it a go, uh, and I'll I'll be sharing that as we go along and if we decide to do that. But if you are interested in a mountain uh, slash Pacific, even if you don't live out there and you maybe you're in the central time zone or even heck the east, doesn't matter to me. Um, just email me, Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com that you are interested. You don't need to necessarily uh, commit to anything right now, but I'm just trying to get some feelers out there on the interest level before I do my any more due diligence. So, um, all right, that's uh, what I've got for you as far as mastermind stuff. And here is my interview with Crystal Meisenheimer. All right. Welcome to the show, Crystal. I really appreciate your time. It's not your first nor your last. And I know your husband, Kevin, was on as well. And, and you've always been a great resource for us. And I recently was uh, in a Facebook group exchange on uh, kind of practice location discussions. And, and you were the first person I thought to, to reach out to, to have this on the podcast. So welcome to the show. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah. And just tell us a little bit about, you know, can't assume every uh, listener has heard our previous episodes, but tell us uh, about your you know professional side of things. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am the co-founder and lead broker of Progressive Practice Sales. We are a brokerage that specializes in helping chiropractors to transition into and out of practices. Uh, we do a lot of work in the, the valuation space as well and help chiropractors with um, achieving funding for acquisitions, startups, expansions, et cetera. So I uh, have a lot of a lot of work in this space right now. It's a very active area in chiropractic. Yeah. And so let's start out with that. We're going to uh, get into, obviously, uh, talking about location, but before we do that, can you just give us kind of a state of the profession, what you, you're the trends you're seeing over the last few years? Yeah, definitely. It's it's a really interesting time to uh, to do business at all. I think over the last few years, everyone has had some pretty crazy, you know, uh, cycles through busyness. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I think a lot of people went through a lot of, of slow times. But in the in the world of practice sales, it's probably the busiest that we've ever seen it. Uh, which a lot of people find to be interesting because there's some, you know, interesting challenges in the economic environment right now. But that has not slowed things down at all in the practice sales. Uh, we have uh, more activity, both from doctors looking to sell and doctors looking to buy. Um, it's probably at one of the highest levels we've ever seen. And then on top of that, we have uh, a really interesting dynamic in the investor marketplace, um, both from you know, the localized investor looking to expand regionally all the way up to really big name private equity groups that are looking to put a footprint into chiropractic, very similar to what a lot of people probably recognized in the dental space over the last, you know, decade or so of seeing all of the individual dental offices being bought up um, and consolidated. Yeah, that's an interesting trend for sure. And then I know there's also probably some big chiropractic groups. Uh, I was having actual uh, dinner with someone that works with one of them. I won't mention, but they 
open up their own locations, but then they also acquire some and they have a kind of a mixed portfolio of that. So that's a interesting thing. We could probably do a whole episode on, on, on that, but um, let's, let's segue from you're, you're seeing a lot of just traditional chiropractic practices being bought and sold by other chiropractors. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is been over the last few years. And you said, mentioned before we hit record, there's like a trend of a lot of people, uh, just moving and it's not necessarily chiropractors retiring. Can you, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We are seeing a really high number of what we call lifestyle sales. So that's a doctor who is, who has built a practice and often they're really successful practices and they just are not happy where they've settled down. Um, we see a lot of doctors who have realized, you know, now that they've settled down and had a family that they really wish that they could go back home and be closer to their family or have the same kind of environment to raise their kids that they grew up in. Or they realize that, you know, after all of the the things that have happened over the last few years that where they settled down, they don't necessarily agree with how, you know, that area is run. So they decide that they want to move somewhere else. Or even just, you know, sort of a a resettling of what do I really want to do with my life? What do I want to spend my time looking at and doing? And it's not where I am now. So I want to move somewhere with mountains or an ocean or, you know, just do the things I love because life is short. Yeah, I've got examples of all of those in our coaching clients uh, (laughs) that have gone through that over the last handful of years. And, And even, you know, uh, one group that we worked with, they just got really phenomenal job opportunities that pro- provided a whole more, you know, just a, a lot more uh, security, uh, you know, benefits, just opportunities. And so that was uh, their their driving force too. So I've been seeing that. And, and so you're saying this is happening a lot more over the last few years than in previous years. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is very interesting because, you know, historically people would sell when it was time to retire. And a lot of those practices are wonderful opportunities. They're institutions in the communities, but, you know, sometimes older equipment, you know, older way of running the clinics. And now, you know, we have a lot of clinics that come in, they've got very new, you know, equipment, technology, marketing in place, you know, things that you didn't just see all the time. It was more of a, a rare opportunity. So it's it's an interesting time for someone who's looking to start a practice to you know take that into consideration that people who are selling these clinics you know just because they want to go back to you know say maybe rural Kansas or you know somewhere where they grew up they don't want to live in a metropolitan area anymore that's a great opportunity for a young doctor who you know isn't necessarily looking to settle down um, to step into a really modern successful practice from the start. Yeah. And that brings up a point too, where I always preach, you know, younger chiropractors that are opening up their own practices and, and you're kind enough to come actually uh, speak on this topic for our mastermind in November, which is exciting, but it's like, you got to start building it to sell right out of the gates. Right. And it doesn't mean you're going to sell it tomorrow, but it, it does a few things. And, and one of them being is it makes a much more profitable, better run practice while you own it. But then, yeah, you never know, you know, you may have uh, started that practice thinking that you're not going to sell it till you're 60, but now you're 40. And like you said, things change and you, and you want to ch- change location. If you've built that thing to sell, it makes it a lot easier to sell it whenever. Yes, 100%. And, and I think that, you know, we can all learn from what we see other people doing that are ahead of us in the game of life. 
And we see a lot of doctors that are doing that. And so I think it's, it's normal to kind of accept and prepare for the fact that, you know, what you're looking for in your twenties is not going to be what you're looking for probably in your forties. And so having that mindset from the beginning, it just, it sets you up in so many ways to really, you know, profit uh, from the investment that you're putting into your first practice. And then the great thing is, is if you do that, you know, if you have this first practice, you sell it, you go where, you know, fits you best for that phase of life. Well, that, that is often the time too, that we see doctors really starting to evolve in their philosophy of patient care. You know, maybe they want to get more specialized. They want to really focus in on something new that they're excited about. You know, they're kind of over what they've been doing over and over and over on repeat for the last 20 years. Yeah. And, and then it's, it's almost akin to where, you know, you buy your first home, your starter home and, and you decide you want to move somewhere else and you, but you now have equity in that house. You sell that house. You use some of that equity to, equity on a down payment for for a different house, different location, different state. It could be the same area, just maybe a bigger house. But if you you know if you do this right, again, when you most people that open up a practice, they've kind of said, you know what, I'm going to be here for a while. But if you built this practice really nice, just like if you renovated the house, but you really you know put a lot into this practice, it does give you the opportunity to then sell, use the money that you make from that sale to buy another location in a place that you decide that you want to, you want to be in. And so it, it's not, it's not all for not. Yeah. Maybe it's not ideal. Uh, obviously, you know, if you, if you really like where you're at and you build a practice and it's great and you have it for 40 years, probably on the long run, make a little bit more money in that way, just, just inherently, but this gives you options. And so I, I, I really want chiropractors to start thinking about that. And that's something we talk a lot with our coaching clients is that, look, you got, you got to really do this thing right because you never know what's going to come out of the, you know, the future there. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, to build on the housing analogy, which I really like, and just like you can renovate your home in such a way that actually doesn't add any value or even detracts value, you can do the same with your practice. And we unfortunately do see that where people have poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into doing something and it has actually made their practice harder to sell. So I, I think that it's really important to be intentional and be thinking about, you know, what, what, as I'm building this, this starter practice, which I may want to move out of into a bigger practice, which you could buy a bigger practice and not have to reinvent the wheel again. Um, you know, what is going to be highly transferable? What's a location? What's a practice model? What's a technique? Who, who am I building this practice for in the future to take over so that if the time does come, you have the ability to have a fast and, you know, easy sale process versus trying to find the one other person in the country that, you know, does things exactly the way that you've, you know, set it up. Perfect. All right. So I think that that's a great kind of end point of say the first decision-making process on picking a location is, you know, really try your best to, to find a, a place you want to be. Uh, long term, obviously things change and you can uh, have options if you do it right. So that that's great. All right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors. And you can sign up for that 
at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. And give a little bit more of the context of, of why I wanted to have you on here was mentioned before we were in that closed Facebook group talking about this topic of, of location and you know, we, I think we started talking about a little bit about the joint and obviously they pick very strict locations and even the way the shopping center is, you're never going to find a joint that's in like a medical building, you know, they've got their, uh, their due diligence for sure on there. And then, uh, someone had mentioned Trader Joe's and there's actually a podcast episode on, I think Freakonomics talking about Trader Joe's and their selection process. And we kind of joked around about, uh, yeah, just open up your chiropractic practice next to a Trader Joe's and you, and you'll probably be fine. Uh, and I looked at all the Trader Joe's in South Florida. I was like, yep, those are all great places to <laughs> open up a chiropractic practice for sure. Uh, and so that was kind of how we got to it. And then there's always some back and forth where people will say, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. People will find you. The internet has uh, taken over, say being on main street and that type of stuff. Uh, I don't fully agree with that. Uh, you know, again, a little more context. My practice happens to be uh, located very well within Boca Raton, Florida. Boca Raton, Florida is a very well good place to be in for a practice. It's affluent. Now, the cost of running a business can be high, which is something that chiropractors they can need to take into consideration. I got in early, and so and I and I purchased my office real estate, so I don't have to worry about my rent going up and stuff. Uh, but I am in a I'm a I'm on the second floor in the back of a medical condo, and so not necessarily you know, perfectly ideal. Uh, we've obviously overcome that in many ways, but I'm sure if we were right on main street and had big, huge signage, that would help as well. But, um, my little long preamble there, I want to take us to what are some of the other things when you talk to chiropractors about location, uh, that you're, you're really looking at and trying to guide them on. Yeah. So when we're working with buyers um, who are, are looking for a location, sometimes it's for a startup, um, but usually it's for a practice that's already in existence. And, and, and what we really always want to start with is what is the practice that you want to have, whether, you know, you're, you're going to have that from the very beginning, or you're going to kind of turn what you're buying into that, because that really plays into it too. You know, who is, who are you trying to treat? Because if you want to treat um, you know, cash patients, for example, if that's the model you want. That's a really important consideration as far as where you're located, because you could be on a street that has a lot of traffic, but if it's not a more affluent, uh, you know, demographic, then you're probably not going to be having the people pass you that you really want to have in your practice. Um, if you want to do a pretty niche or specialized service, you probably want to be around, you know, a younger population, you probably don't want to be in a place where, you know, all the families have lived in the area for 20 years. That's probably not your primary market. You probably don't want to be super close to, um, you know, maybe an area that has, has factories or really large employers if you're primarily wanting to do cash because they all probably have good insurance that they want to use. On the flip side, if it's an insurance practice, 
great. You're going to be very convenient for them. So I think that's one of the first things is figuring out who you want to take care of and what you want to do and making sure that the areas that you're you're looking at are a good fit for that model, no matter, because I think what happens with doctors, especially doctors who are in the beginning of their career, is they get caught up with the, the look of it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, this looks so good. You know, people are going to be really impressed with this. I'm going to look successful, therefore I will be. And there's something to that for mm-hmm. sure. But you've also got to think about the you know, who's going to want what you are doing and what's going to attract them. Because, you know, if you're trying to do, say, you know, uh, family plans, um, you know, they they may be turned off by the the high affluent aspects of some upscale locations because they might think, oh, gosh, well, we can't afford this. Yeah. So I think that's a really important thing that can get skipped over just in the excitement of, you know, what would feel good to me to have as my practice. Yeah. And I want to give a few examples that, and I'll use my current area for that. Um, one is we'll get a lot of chiropractors that want to do personal injury in Florida. Uh, Boca Raton is not a great area for personal injury right. because it's, it's affluent and personal injury tends to uh, do better in non-affluent areas. So that's one example that, that we talk about down here. Another one was like, I built my practice um, in network with insurances and there is a lot of corporations around me and i used to have on-site locations in there we get a lot of the employee referrals from there and then when we went out of network we don't really have i mean we don't we definitely get corporate patients but not in droves from these local corporations like we used to they stopped referring to us and recommending once they found out we were out of network with their their plan now what's offset that because we are cash and, and higher rates is that there is a high level of affluency here and so it can sustain it and so when I talk to chiropractors about cash rates or high cash rates, it's like, okay, we got to know, you know, what's the demographics in the area and that type of stuff. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that based on what you said, because it, it makes perfect sense is to start with what your target audience is, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a few other things that I think are are really important as you, you know, kind of hone in. So you've got the people who you want to attract And then, you know, how are you going to attract them? So I think, you know, we personally, when we're listing a clinic, you know, we have a list of things and we say, well, are you close to these things? Because that's going to give you a really strong location. And it's like, are you close to a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's? Are you close to a Starbucks, a Walmart, you know, Target? Mm -hmm. What, what is driving traffic to that area? So, you know, there's, there's schools, hospitals, all of those we find, you know, being pretty positive for, uh, for drive-by traffic. I would say that your point earlier about the internet, you know, sort of eliminating the need to be on a high visibility area, I would also disagree with that. In 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 the case of a of a larger practice, I think if you really have a, a specialty practice, especially if your specialty practice has long visits and doesn't have the need for a lot of new patients, you probably are fine with that. Um, but most chiropractors, they're, that's not their model. And I think that the, the visibility and the drive-by or the walk-by traffic um, are, are really, really important for that. Yeah, it's, it's almost um, really, it's not intellectually honest to argue against that when people do. You know, there is something to be said about having a lot of visibility, having signage, having convenient location, being in a retail spot that's got, uh, you know, a Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, or even a good grocery store. 
you know, there, there's definitely positives to that. Obviously, a chiropractor can do fine with it, but you could be potentially losing money. And it's always interesting, too, where they'll look at, uh, you know, let's just make up numbers, but the rent in that ideal uh, location next to a, a Whole Foods is 4000 a month. But if I go over to here, it's only twenty seven hundred a month. I'm saving thirteen hundred dollars a month. But, but then, a new patient in their practice might be worth, you know, a thousand dollars. Let's just say, and so you really need like one or two patients to make up that rent difference. And so sometimes uh, there's just a, a little bit of lack of really looking at all the variables. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. And I think part of that is just a lack of having a lot of fundamental knowledge about, you know, thinking about the the business side of things. I think that that's an unfortunate foundation for chiropractic. Um, and, and I will say that when we're looking at valuing a practice, the profit is king in that. So it is really important to keep an eye on the profit. And we see some people who have astronomical rent um, or they've bought a building and if they were going to sell the practice, it has astronomical rent to the point where, you know, it, they, the buyer wouldn't even be able to get a bank loan. Mm -hmm. So you do have to be careful as you're getting up into the higher numbers, but a thousand dollars, you know, more to be in a location that's prime, that's going to have people literally walking by your door. I mean, that that's, that's a no brainer in well, most situations. Yeah. That's what's funny that you mentioned that. Cause that's something that I, um, I see myself running into a problem down the road is um, uh, I own my real estate and it's, uh, I bought it in 2013 and it's, it's basically tripled. Uh, luckily my mortgage is the same as what it was in 2013, which is obviously one of the benefits of, of buying. Like, I don't know if I could afford the rent if I was trying to like renew a, or sign a lease here for rent. And so I could see a situation where like, let's just fast forward 20 years and I'm in my early sixties and I decide to, to try to sell everything. Um, there's a chance the, the rent for, for my suite could be 10 to $12,000 a month uh, on the market, but like what chiropractors can afford 10 or 12,000 a month in rent. Uh, so then you could, then you might find a situation where like your real estate's outpaced the, you know, selling a practice. And I'm sure you see some situations where the chiropractor just close the practice, but sell the real estate for so much. And that's what their obviously uh, retirement was. Yeah, we do see that, which is unfortunate. That feels really bad to the doctor who has spent, you know, decades building this practice in this community. Um, but certainly, you know, when you're faced with a situation where the real estate has that much more value and there's a ready and willing buyer for the real estate, that's something that you have to take into consideration. Um, another good fit buyer for a situation like that is a, a doctor who um, is expanding into multiple locations because from a bank loan perspective, they can still qualify for a loan that will cover, you know, the practice that doesn't make enough money to pay for the real estate. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a small marketplace of buyers who would be a good fit. But the most important thing for people in your situation is just don't let the practice go down. Yeah. Um, the biggest mistake that we see is doctors, you know, they they don't need to make the money anymore, but they love practicing. And so they move back to, pra to practice part-time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they have this building that's worth a million dollars and a practice that's worth a hundred thousand. And that's just a very challenging combination. 
are you seeing any of the investors that are buying chiropractic practices, buying the practice and the real estate? Is that sometimes happening? That's really more on a regional level. Again, that doctor who's been successful looking to invest in the area, they see the value of the real estate and you know paying themselves. But as you get into the larger investors, they are laser focused on the profit of the business because they're just trying to conglomerate all of that together into a bigger profit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, all right. And what are some of the other things that you're seeing as far as, um, you know, location strategies when, when opening up a practice? You may, I'll, I'll kind of touch on because you kind of in passing talked about industrial areas. I've had that experience in the past where I was working with someone and, and they were looking to buying something, but we looked at the map. It's like, it's pretty industrial there. And it was away from where the practice was. They ended up not doing that, which was good. But um, yeah, the industrial thing can be a problem, I'm assuming too, right? Yes. I have seen some really successful personal injury clinics in industrial areas, especially in Florida. And, but that is a challenge when it comes time to sell, because if the buyer's not familiar with that, it's a, it's a very strange thing to walk into this practice, you know, tucked in between the auto shops or whatnot. And, but yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, it's an unconventional choice. Yeah. And just to touch on it again, you know, for those out there that think that location doesn't necessarily matter and and you're you know, referrals and web presence is going to be so good to overcome it. That that could be the case. But then if you do plan on selling, you might be hindered there. So that's a, a, another aspect to consider for those folks. Well, and I would also say that every business needs to have a balanced um, new patient source strategy. So you can't count entirely on, you know, I remember, you know, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or something that people would build their entire business strategy on like Facebook and then Facebook would change something mm-hmm. and they would be destroyed. And so it's the same thing, you know, none of us know what's going to happen with the technology. It's going to continue to evolve and change. And so to put all of your eggs in that basket that changes so quickly, I think is really dangerous. Yeah. Of course, it's always going to be a part of your mix. But if you can also be in front of people as they're physically moving past you, um, you know, it just becomes this repetitive thing that they know that it's there. And then when they need it, it's the first thing that they think of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just I think it needs to be more balanced than that. Here's another tricky scenario. I'm sure you've seen this before, but um, in theory, it would make sense if you if you had the freedom to, you know, I'm going to open up practice in whatever state I want, I'm not really married to a particular state or location. Some may think to choose one that has really good insurance reimbursement, um, which would make sense on the, on the face of it. But as we know, that could probably change too. What are your thoughts on that? Have you had people do that? It's like, uh, I think North, North Carolina has got good reimbursement. I know that I got a, a few coverage I work with there. And obviously North Carolina is a kind of higher up the totem pole of desirable places to live too. But I could see someone saying, I'm going to open up in North Carolina because it's got great insurance reimbursement. Have you had scenarios like that? Yeah, we've definitely had people that are being really strategic about things like insurance reimbursements. Um, you know, but it's true, like those change and and also the scope of practice changes kind of frequently, especially with all the new things that chiropractors are getting involved in. And so I think that in some ways, you're standing on kind of unstable ground if you yeah. build your entire business model on that. It's not bad to take it into consideration. And if you are moving from state to state, it's something that you should definitely look into. Um, 
definitely I would say check with the uh, maybe either you could check with the board or the state association, but if you're doing anything unusual at all, I would actually talk to a healthcare attorney and have them do an analysis on the scope of, of licensure because uh, people are amazed at the differences between states. Yeah. And that's a good point too. A little bit of investment on a healthcare attorney or even, you know, your group or other experts. It's like so many times chiropractors just cut so many corners to save some money. And I get it. A lot are bootstrapping it pretty significantly more than even other uh, professions. You know, it's like, if you're a veterinarian or a dentist, like you have to, you know, going in, if you're opening your own practice, like it's going to cost a lot of money and you're getting a, a pretty big loan you're taking on and, and doing all that. Obviously there's difference in revenues and that type of stuff, but you, you don't see veterinarians opening up practices inside of gyms like you do in, in chiropractors. It, it's like a, a low cost way of, of doing it. Um, and we could go, we could even have that conversation as far as your thoughts on the differences of what you see in practices between chiropractors that are, you know, standalone building, um, let's say all things being equal of the, the actual location, but standalone building versus retail space versus medical building like mine versus, you know, kind of a pod doc, which I was when I got started that way, but I always knew I had to get out of there. Um, what, what are, what are the, some of the things you're seeing with that as far as revenue growth, sellability, that type of stuff? You know, I, I would say that the most desirable, uh, for people just on the face value is probably standalone because yeah. you usually have pretty ample parking, easy access. Um, you have a little bit more control over your space, um, followed probably by upper higher end retail, because again, you know, you've got the visibility there. Mm -hmm. um, but aside from that, it really depends on the area because certainly there are medical complexes that have a lot of traffic and they get great cross referrals from other practitioners. And then you have this whole other established uh, new patient source that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were you know, Trader Joe's is not going to be sending you people. So, mm -hmm. so I think that there's certainly other aspects that you have to take into consideration. And um, one thing that I would say to build on top of what you were just saying about um, doctors cutting corners is I did another interview a couple of years ago and, and they asked me to go back and do an analysis of the practices that we had sold and, you know, what were some common characteristics of the most successful ones. And the thing that really stood out to me was the doctors who were the most successful had really relied on outside expertise. They had heavily invested in consulting and education and training and marketing. And, um, you know, they knew that they were never going to become the expert in any of those areas. And mm -hmm. so they paid the expert. I mean, you've got to get good people. You can't just hire anybody. But um, if you can find the expert in that space, your investment in them is going to pay you back so many times over, it's going to be ridiculous how much you'll get out of it. Yeah. I, I get a joke about that. Cause, um, I've, I've definitely spend more than most, or I should say invest more than most in things like, uh, experts, you know, and, and different things of that nature all runs the, you know, whether it's coaching or it's, you know, having someone do the, uh, design of the office renovation we just did. Like, I just, I just know my limitations. And so I'm willing to write those checks uh, but a funny story is uh, when I moved into my house a few years ago, I met my neighbor that's directly behind me. We share the fence and we're out there introducing ourselves. And 
he was asking me what I did. He's like, oh, I'm a chiropractor. He's like, oh, where's your office? I told him. And he's like, oh, my office is there too. And he, and he, and I was like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I'm an attorney. And I was like, oh, my attorney's right over there. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm a partner at so, so, and so. And I'm like, oh, so I've helped buy your house because he's <laughs> partners at the firm where my attorney's at. And I've spent so much money over the last 12 years. Uh, they're my contract attorneys. Uh, so like, you know, I've, sold out of a partnership. I've bought my real estate, uh, office real estate. They are part of that. I, I mean, all the contracts I've had, I mean, it's just, you know, it's been thousands and thousands of dollars. So he started laughing, but um, yeah, it's just, you, you gotta, you gotta put experts around you. That's why I've always talked about having like a scaffolding around your business that helps you mm -hmm. grow uh, and build. And it's, and it's, it's putting those experts around that, that really help for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to go back to, I, I didn't want to miss this was, um, you know, there are other realities, right? Like you mentioned, standalone building, having better accessibility and parking. A lot of stuff's going to be very specific to where you're at as well. Like, uh, you know, if you're in a big city, there's obviously zero chance you're going to have a standalone building. And the people that live there expect you to probably be on the eighth floor of a small and, and you might only have 800 square feet in, you know, New York City and and there's going to be no parking. They know that they're going to have to get there. You know, like, so it, it, some of the, the, um, I guess accessibility and, and just what patients are going to expect will be location specific. I, I do believe that. And here in Boca Raton, you find really only two, mostly it's either medical building where chiropractors are at or retail other than like the gyms and that type of stuff. But those are kind of where it's at. There's not a lot of standalone. It, it just, it would just outprice most chiropractors, right? So um, definitely, that's something to consider. You know, if you're, you're if you're in, a, you know, small town, you probably can get a nice standalone building. Heck, you might even be able to live in it, right? Some of them are dual dual zoned and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure I I touched on that. Yeah, very 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 true, and and I think that the patients, you know, I mean, it would be weird for them, you know, to, to have parking in the middle of Manhattan and stuff. So all of that makes perfect sense. However, what's interesting is when you go to sell it and people are coming in from outside areas to look at your practice, that may not be the norm that they're looking at. And so that can still impact you. And you're thinking, well, that's crazy. Everyone walks here there. Why would you need parking and the, the, you know, people that are coming into the area just going, Oh man, that's just, I, you know, I don't envision our patients going up to the eighth floor, well, but that's what you do here. So you will still have some of those things that you have to overcome, but you're right from a patient perspective, they live there, you know, it's going to be the norm for them. Mm -hmm. I will say one other thing about it too. <clears throat> that's very interesting to me. So every once in a while, we'll have a situation where a clinic sells and then it has to relocate um, as part of the transaction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll have clinics that move, you know, less than a mile away. And sometimes it'll be a real obstacle. Mm -hmm. And it's because of something like, you know, ease of access into the parking lot, or, you know, access to parking, you know, they didn't used to have to, to, you know, they used to have a small lot, and now they have to park on the street, and they might have to walk two blocks. It's really amazing, you know, how, uh, people get used to things. And then when you take them away, they get very frustrated. So um, yeah, parking, parking is actually a pretty big thing that, that I think a lot of people look at when they're buying that when you're first setting up your practice, I think you almost might wave it away as a detail that, mm -hmm. well, you know, it's not ideal, but um, 
you know, we'll make it work. And yeah. of course, you know, Manhattan aside, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it is, it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. I would say it's probably one of the top, you know, five things that you would want to look at when you're sourcing a location. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to touch on the gym thing a little bit, because I have a lot of experience in that. And I do think it can be a great start for some chiropractors in a lot of situations and every gym is different. Um, but my experience, which I saw firsthand was, uh, 2007 to 2009, I was upstairs and in, in kind of a dingy training facility, but the cool part was they had a lot of pro athletes there, which was what got my kind of reputation going, which was really cool. So it was worth that. But the difference from when I, we moved out of that gym and I built a pretty good practice there, but it was definitely a, a certain type of patients, right? Like they don't mind going to a, a dingy training facility on the second floor. And, uh, but then we, we moved across the street into a really nice orthopedic office. And we were again, just renting two rooms. We had two rooms in the gym, two rooms in the orthopedic office, everything else really being equal, except for now we're in a really nice orthopedic office. And my practice like doubled in a year, right? Because now I was, people would walk in like, oh, this is a nice office. Oh, and they've got, they're inside an orthopedic office. So they must be legitimate, right? Like if an orthopedic would have them in there and uh, it just was really, it really made the difference. And then when I opened up my practice up in Boca, I did the same thing. I opened up inside of an orthopedic office, saved for a few years and then was able to buy my own. But um, I, I just tell that story because I do believe uh, pretty strongly that the chiropractors that are in gyms, um, there's going to be a certain level of growth. The good thing is, is typically your expenses are going to be really low. So if you can hit that ceiling of growth, you should have some good profits like we did. And you need to, at some point, save those profits, leverage that into opening up your own office uh, at some point. And so use it as a stepping stone. Don't be in there for, you know, six, 10, 15, 20 years in my opinion, and let, there are some gym situations that would warrant that, but for the most part, generally speaking, it's not ideal. Um, and then I think chiropractors that are uh, need to start looking at orthopedic groups that are willing to rent or even primary care doctors, other medical doctors that might be willing to rent a room or two out, I think would be a better option than the gym if you find that option. So I just wanted to go on that little soapbox for a minute. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, we certainly see clinics that have opened up in gyms and they have a pretty low ceiling as far as the growth potential that they seem to have in there. And I think it's a lot of the things that you just said. I've also noticed um, that a lot of clinics that are in gyms, they seem to have less control than what you would normally have. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it's just, you know, because so many gyms have big corporate ownership but uh, it, it, they seem to be a lot more restricted. And then another really important thing to know from a long-term value perspective is that when you own a clinic that is within another practice, that is that does present sale challenges in many cases. It really limits um, who would be interested in buying it. And it also limits the ability to get financing for it in some cases we sometimes see people who rent rooms from other chiropractors and that's one of the hardest things of all to sell. So just be careful if you're doing that to do keep it as a stepping stone, because what you might find out is when you get to the end of that road, you may not have anything that you've built a value over the years. And, um, you know, even to the point where, you know, the doctor who's in there has you know control over who they would allow to take over your practice and they, mm -hmm you know, otherwise the, they might just kind of absorb your practice. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is yeah. common, you know, so a few things that you're going to run into in those scenarios, like you said, is uh, the sellability is just not going to be there. So you don't have an asset. So you actually, you, you don't have an asset that you built. Uh, the other thing is, is I've, you know, coached a lot of chiropractors and the ones that I see that have, you know, revenues in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70,000s a month, uh, they're always in their own space, you know, like it, it's not, you don't see those revenue numbers renting a room or two in a gym or even another chiropractor's office typically. And so, um, yeah, you might be saving on overhead, but it's, it's all about profits. Right. Um, and, and, and that's the big difference. I think sometimes chiropractors get stuck looking at that overhead number and, and not the, the profit number. And sometimes they get stuck looking at the revenue number, right? Like, Oh, look at this revenue. It's 60,000 a month and, and, and they're losing money. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so you could go both ways for sure. But, um, I just wanted to to kind of finish on that. I think this was great. This was uh, we covered a lot of ground. Um, if anybody has any questions on this, obviously you guys do a whole lot. You do buying and selling, brokering, valuations of practices, helping out with location stuff. How can they reach out to you? Yeah, I think the best place to find us is on our website, which is progressivepracticesales.com. We've got a ton of great content on there, and and links to other. Uh, collaborations that we've done with like NCMIC. And so lot, lots and lots of, of information for someone who's interested in digging in. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. It, thank you again for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, Check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab. Watch the short video on there and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos. You send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.